Hey, everybody, and happy St. Patrick's Day 2021. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything, weather, earth science, astronomy, and even from time to time, some off-topic subjects, which can really come at any time, but most of the time I reserve that for Open Line Friday. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is episode number 166, again for Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2021. A quick weather update before we dive into some of our science-related items today. Obviously, we are watching severe weather break out in the southeast states, and there is now an elevated risk, a high risk, as a matter of fact, of or potential for severe thunderstorms in much of the deep south and southeastern states. We're watching that even as I record this at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. This is going to be an active day down there in the southeast. And keep an eye on not only the severe weather reports, but also the number of tornadoes. There's an elevated risk of tornadic activity in a lot of northern Mississippi, northern Alabama today, also extreme southwest Tennessee, a corner of Arkansas, the northeast corner, there is a 30% chance that that region will see a significant tornadic outbreak today. So something to watch, and we will, and I'll provide links on episode number 166 at weatherjazz.com for those of you who want to keep track of things. All right, we do have one question that just came in during the day today because For a lot of, especially west of I-77 in northeast Ohio, there was a blanket of super dense fog. In fact, there was a dense fog advisory that went into effect very early this morning. Uh, Here in Geauga County, where I live, there was uh, no fog whatsoever. It was clear all night. We had an overnight low of uh, 27 degrees. It was gorgeous. The stars were out. No fog at all. But there was fog and very thick fog to the west, which led to this question from Norwalk. Hi, Andre. This is Frank from Norwalk. Got a question about the fog this morning. It is like you could cut it with a knife. The low-hanging clouds, I guess I would call them the low-hanging clouds, uh, you would be driving down the road see like half the house. And uh, it was a very strong delineation between clear weather and fog. I was wondering why it's like that. And then if he was traveling along the woods, there would just be nothing, uh, no fog at all. So there's something about trees. And I know when we go skiing, they always say on a foggy day, ski by the trees. So what is it about trees? And what is it that makes that fog uh, such a such a floor or ceiling some places? 
All right. Great question, Frank. Thank you so much for calling the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. And it's a good time to let you know what that number is. It is 234-525-5888. And it's available there anytime you want to give us a call with your questions. And the questions can be anything, weather, earth science, astronomy, personal in nature even, those we might do on a Friday, uh, the fun ones, whatever. Even if it's just a call to say, hey, I enjoyed the podcast, and this is the way I listen to weather jazz. I listen to it on my daily bike ride or on my run or in the car, whichever. Uh, We'd love to hear from you with your questions and your comments. Again, 234-525-5888. All right, let's get to Frank's question. And if I understand the question correctly, he was wondering why the fog was not quite as thick in the treed location or heavily heavily forested locations as opposed to, say, a residential neighborhood with a lot of open spaces. First of all, Frank has it correct when he says that, and Dick Goddard used to say this all the time on Fox 8 during his career, that fog is nothing more than a cloud resting on the ground. So having stated that, and having stated that most of the fog occurred west of I-77 this morning, because here in Geauga County, I woke up and it was clear as a bell. I woke up a couple times during the night, peeked out the window, and the stars were gorgeous. We had an overnight low of 28. We never saw any fog here whatsoever. But it was particularly thick to the west. And this morning, the National Weather Service did, in fact, issue a dense fog advisory, uh, which obviously no longer exists because the fog is gone with the daytime heating and all of that stronger March sunshine. But let's get back to that question. Does it, in fact, thin out in the heavily forested areas? And the answer is, well, it can. It depends on the specifics of that meteorological condition. And every one, every single one of those conditions or every single one of those meteorological variables is different. Not a single situation meteorologically is the exact same, but there are some, or can be, some similarities based on certain conditions. Let's take the fog last night. First of all, it was preceded by a day of bright sunshine, in particular the afternoon. Remember that the trees are not leafed, so the sunshine is going to make it straight through to the bark. The bark is dark, relatively dark, and will act like an absorber of that shortwave radiation, converts it to longwave radiation or heat, and so at night, these trees re-radiate that warmth back out into space. And if that radiation or that warmth or radiation can elevate the temperature even by a degree or two, it might be enough to reduce, perhaps even eliminate the 
fog that develops in those heavily forested areas. Now, will it eliminate it totally? Again, it depends on the very specific conditions of the atmosphere. But there is a case in this particular case that the sunshine from yesterday afternoon was enough to absorb the sunlight and then re-radiate it back out into space at night and keep the temperature maybe a degree or two less cold so that the temperature doesn't fall to the dew point and you get really super thick fog instead of a super thick fog maybe you get maybe a a, a less dense fog where you can see a, a greater distance and in some cases perhaps even pushing the cloud ceiling up above the treetops, in which case you have some pretty good visibilities in the trees, but right at treetop level, you start getting into the super dense fog. So there's an explanation, and I certainly hope that that will satisfy the curiosity on perhaps why in this case the fog was not quite as dense in the heavily forested areas compared to residential areas that are wide open. Uh, And, of course, we did have that super dense fog there this morning. All right, that's not the topic I wanted to cover, but I wanted to address that because that came in today, again, on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. Please use it and uh, put those questions out there. Love to answer your questions, and I'd love to hear from you. Okay, today I want to talk a little bit about not necessarily the Aurora Borealis, but there was a beautiful display last night on the Glacier Bay uh, Park up in Alaska. They posted on their Facebook page the Aurora Borealis dancing in the skies last night. This is the season in the spring and the fall for the the equinox periods where you tend to get perhaps a little better chance of capturing some of the solar wind and redirecting it into the Earth's magnetic field, and that's what causes the aurora borealis. The uh, magnetism actually captures some of the sun's energy, the solar wind, as it passes by Earth redirects it down to Earth, and it uh, reacts with the ionosphere. Now, that is the Aurora Borealis. I'm going to post that video on weatherjazz.com, episode number 166, if you want to have a look. But I want to talk about another kind of astronomical or atmospheric phenomenon, and this is something called Steve. And it wasn't named Steve until relatively recently. You see, it looks a little bit like the Aurora Borealis, and it can be just as bright, but it's not caused by the very same dynamics. And I'm going to uh, essentially put a link on weatherjazz.com episode number 166 to a short Wikipedia article about Steve. So what is Steve? And through a process that is actually reverse backronym as opposed to acronym, an acronym is where you have something like not a cloud in the sky and you take the first letter of each and it becomes NACETS. 
that's an acronym. But a backronym is when you take a name of something, in this case, a group of of, uh, amateur astronomers called it Steve, and some folks said, well, let's see if we can make this fit. And they work backwards. They take the name Steve and try to come up with uh, what will be a backwards acronym. And they were fairly successful in doing that. Steve stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. How about that? Now, Steve is essentially an atmospheric optical phenomenon that appears most of the time purple. Every once in a while, will show up as a green ribbon of light, but mostly it's purple. And it was actually named in 2016, so it's not too long ago. It's about five years ago. And it was named, Steve, by Aurora Watchers from Alberta, Canada, because it was seen frequently in Alberta and roughly in the same latitude. You can probably see it in central Sweden, Norway, and in perhaps even Iceland or parts of Russia, just as a for instance, basically the same latitude ring. And according to Uh, analysis of satellite data from the European Space Agency SWARM mission. Steve is caused by a 25-kilometer-mile-wide ribbon of very hot plasma, almost like the sun's energy. Well, it is the sun's energy, but it's a very specific a phenomenon that's going on from the solar wind that is producing this. Go check out the full article. Again, I'll have the link on weatherjazz.com. But it's hot plasma at an altitude of 450 kilometers or 280 miles up. And the temperature within that ribbon, 3,000 degrees Celsius. If you want to know what that is in Fahrenheit, it's about 5,500 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's flowing at the speed of, get this, it's a very high-speed kind of thing from the sun, and it's flowing at a speed of 6 kilometers per second, or 3.7 miles per second. And how does that compare to what's around it and uh, the, the speed of the solar wind? Well, that's compared to about 33 feet per second outside the ribbon. Okay, let's do that comparison again. Outside the ribbon, 33 feet per second. That's pretty significant. But inside this ribbon of hot plasma, we're talking 3.7 miles per second. Very high speed. And so this ribbon shows up most of the time purple. It's called Steve, and it's a relatively newly discovered phenomenon. Now, it's probably been around for quite some time. It's just never been noticed as something different from the Aurora Borealis. It is something different. And if you want to check it out and the differences between Steve, and I'll post a really cool picture from uh, Bow Resort in Alberta, Canada, on weatherjazz.com, episode number 166, along with the uh, link that will take you to a, a better description, perhaps more thorough, of what Steve, which is Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement, 
what that is. Will we ever see it in Ohio? Well, the chances are reduced the further south in latitude you go. Is it possible that we could see it here under certain conditions? The answer is yes. However, it is unlikely. And I guess, really, if the truth be known, the word rare is appropriate. Not impossible, but it certainly would be rare if anybody around here in Northeast Ohio would capture Steve. There's a possibility that we actually saw Steve, uh, my wife and I, uh, after church one day in the Canton area. It was actually near overhead, which would be very, very uh, much outside of where this normally occurs, up around 50 to 60 degrees north latitude, because we're sitting at about 40 41 uh, here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, But we snapped a picture of it, and it looks very, very strikingly similar to what we saw in the picture that I'm going to post on episode number 166 on uh, weatherjazz.com. Go check it out when you have a chance. Steve in today's science-related weather jazz hope you enjoyed it help me to spread the word about this podcast let folks know that you are listening to it and you can do that through a number of uh, ways email social media word of mouth over the fences i like to say any way you get the word out would be great and also thank you to all who have partnered with weather jazz to make these episodes more frequent and to expand the the breadth and the technical things that we use we're starting to use more and more technical things and of course that requires resources and that's where you come in and i want to thank those of you that have partnered with weather jazz to make these episodes possible andre rich in tennessee bill martin in florida rose moore Christine Barnes, Will Antonia Kraus from Ohio, and Victoria Singer from the wonderful state of Vermont, the Green Mountain State. I'd love to add your name to that list. And through the month of March, anybody who becomes a supporter at any one of three levels, and the lowest is just 99 cents a month, will get uh, a copy of my autobiographical timeline book, The Extra Mile. That's again through the month of August. We've got half the month left. And once you become a supporter, remember to send me an email at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. That way I can get the information that I need to send you your book. You can find the links to become a supporter at the bottom of this episode at weatherjazz.com. If you have a question, topic suggestion, or just want to say hello and let me know how it is you listen to Weather Jazz, I welcome your input. You can reach me, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, or via the Weather Jazz podcast audience connect line, and that's 234-525-5888. And that's one of the things, one of the aspects of Weather Jazz that is made possible by our supporters. Thank you so much. Remember to subscribe to weatherjazz.com if you're listening to this podcast via your favorite podcast app. And 
If you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area or plan to visit or simply traveling through, you can always catch my daily weathercast on the 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. weekday newscast segments on WJW Television, Vox 8. Of course, if you're outside this area and just curious, you can always check it out fox8.com and click on the live tab remember that's 5 and 7 p.m eastern daylight time eastern time segment and we will see you on friday open line friday with another engaging episode right here on weather jazz weather and science across the globe